are listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joy. I'm the lead pastor here and I am so excited that you decided to spend 25 minutes and change studying God's word alongside us. For those of you that may be joining for the very first time, we are in the middle of a series titled, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? And we kicked this series off on Mother's Day where we explored and studied the hood of mother, motherhood, because we all know there ain't no hood like motherhood. And then we focused in on servanthood. Jesus really came to flip the paradigm of what true leadership and authority looked like when he said, I came to serve, not to be served. And we as followers of Jesus are to go and do likewise. And then we talked about um, priesthood. No one would ever consider You know, most people would have a hard time considering themselves a priest, but the Bible literally says that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. And so we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God and to view ourselves accordingly. And last week we talked about brotherhood and sisterhood. It's not something automatic. It's something that we need to teach and train ourselves. And we need to view those that are in the household of God because he calls us sons and daughters. When we've submitted our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, we need to view the person to the left and to the person to the right as our brother. And we can't go through life ignoring our brothers and sisters. That's dysfunctional. So we have to be willing to roll up our sleeves and get a little dirt under our fingernails and getting uncomfortable uh, to get to know those that are around us. And this week, we're going to be diving into the hood of parenthood. Um, Now, I want to say this, first and foremost, some of you that are listening or watching, you may say, well, I'm not a parent. Well, you may be a parent or you may come alongside somebody that is a parent. And so all of, as we study scripture, all of the word of God, is useful in our lives. It brings life. It brings revelation. So I would encourage you, even if you think that this isn't for you, to lean in because I know that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit has something unique for you. And so to kick off uh, this message, I'm going to start with a quote. And as I was researching, I've actually come across this quote before, and it's, it's convicting, it's challenging, and it just rings true. And it says this, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. That quote was from Andy Stanley. And I think that's important, especially as our culture takes an, takes the emphasis off of motherhood, takes the emphasis off of fatherhood, that, you know, no one, people almost like, say sheepishly, uh, I'm a stay-at-home mom or I'm a stay-at-home dad. Like they're, they're not proud. They're not excited about what they get to do. And this really um, is a commandment that comes from the Lord, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, it's amazing to me over the course of my life in Christianity, how many people I've run into and they say, well, you know, hey, Matt, will you pray for me? I'm really praying if this girl is the one, if this guy is the one that I should marry. Hey, would you pray? I got an interview at this job. I'm just coming out of school. I want to make sure I'm going to school for the right 
for the right course, you know, to make sure I'm heading in the right direction. I know that God has a specific uh, role for me. And uh, when you ask them, how many kids do you plan on having? They say, oh, two. So they're involving God in their decision of who they're going to marry, rightfully so. They're involving God in the decision of what they're going to study in school, rightfully so. They're involving God in the job or the career that they're going to step into, rightfully so. But when it comes to children, they just make a haphazard decision and say, I'm going to have two, I'm going to have three, I'm going to have four, I'm going to have five. And I would like to push back on that logic and say that I believe in scripture that God has something to say in regards to how many children you have. I believe that God will give you a peace. You know, I'm not saying that everybody has to have 17 children. Okay, but what I am saying is that I think you would be wise to involve God in that decision-making process. And it's so interesting to me how we involve God in all these major decisions in our lives, but I have seen a lack of involvement with God in this particular area. Now, as you know, my wife and I, we have six kids, which is like huge. We, we If we had one more kid, we would need another car, okay? And they're already putting two uh, tables together for us at a restaurant. We get all the looks, um, but it's all good, okay? But what's interesting to me is that we didn't start this journey off um, wanting to have six kids. Uh, we literally, we talked about it when we were engaged and we were going through premarital counseling. We landed two to three, maybe four was mentioned once, but as we started to have children after two, we wanted to shut it down because we hit boy, girl, perfect aim. Let's just shut that thing down. Um, but as we started to raise those children, we felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit that there's another child. And God has spoke to us in a various, in various different ways. Uh, one child, he gave us a specific name. Another child, he showed us, you know, like you're going to have a male. And so Jess and I, you know, we did, made a decision that we were going to walk in the fear of the Lord, that we were going to revere God, meaning that when he asks us to do something, we're not going to second guess. We're not going to, you know, you know, like weigh out our options. We're going to simply be obedient. And so now I look back at these children, I can't imagine my life without these six beautiful um, gems and they sharpen me every single day. But the point is when we headed into marriage, we had an idea of how many children we were going to have, but we were obedient and we were yielded. And I think all of us have been called to be yielded to God. And I don't wanna make this about me and us and we've nailed this perfectly, but what I am trying to say is that we learn this along the way and I wanna share this with you. Through my experience, I've seen so many people at the end of their lives say this common thing, I wish we would have had more children. I've never heard anybody say in their 60s and 70s, I wish we would not have had so many children. Never heard that. I've heard this a dozens and dozens of times. So there's there's a wisdom in these words that I'm sharing. In fact, when God created Adam and Eve, the very first commandment he gave them was to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to uh, just sit back for a second and think about that. God basically created Adam and Eve and he told them while he was looking at them in the garden, go have lots of sex, go have lots of children, populate the earth, multiply. Okay, so this is part, this is the first commandment and it didn't stop when they were kicked out of the garden. God still calls us to this um, 
beauty of sharing in creation. Have you ever thought about that? God invites us to share in creation. So a couple of things when we look at parenthood. First and foremost, parenting is intentional. It's not automatic, (laughs) which means you can be present and not there. You can be a parent legally and even biologically, but still not be parenting your children. You could be set on autopilot with your career and Netflix and PlayStation 4 or 5 could be raising your children. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of people um, have leaned in some of those directions. No, parenting is intentional. Parenting, uh, there are very long days and very short years. That's something I'm learning. Our oldest is 13, and I remember when she was born, and I'm like, how did we get here? I got five more years maybe with her, and then she's going to go, you know, spread her wings. But, man, I can tell you now that we have, you know, one in diapers still and one that still needs help in being wiped, um, there are long days, man. Sometimes I sit there and the house is a mess and we need to get to our dishes and my oldest son is asking me to help him with his algebra and I'm you know, I'm changing this dirty, disgusting, nasty diaper and the dog's coming trying to like take the diaper from me and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Like anything would be better than this and it just feels like you look at the clock and you're like, it's only one o'clock. He goes down at two for his nap where I get a little bit of solace. Parenting's hard. It's difficult. It is work, but it is so worth it. You gotta, you gotta struggle with, you wanna protect your children, but you don't wanna be a helicopter parent, right? You don't wanna be hovering around them all the time and being like, don't touch this, don't do this, don't do this, putting them in bubble wrap because you know that you're not preparing them for the world because you're not always going to be there. You wanna correct them without crushing them. Right? You want to bring correction into your life. That's part of your role as a parent. But you don't want to demean them. You don't want to cr- frustrate them. And here's kind of the crux of parenting as I was researching for this. I think one of the you're on the edge of this blade between these two ideas. You want them to know that they are loved more than they can possibly imagine. Loved from our Heavenly Father and loved from their parents. There's nothing they can do to earn that love. There's nothing they can do to add to that love. There's nothing they can do to subtract from that love. But on the other side of that blade, you want them to know that, hey, the world doesn't revolve around you. So these two contrasting juxtapositions, equally as important for them to understand, parenting is hard. Um, and something you'll learn along the way is that children magnify your weaknesses too. It's a new level of dying to yourself. When you get married, you're like, ah, you know, I'm dying to myself. I have to, I have to, you know, share my life with somebody else. But when you have children, it's a whole nother level. And so I want to share with you over the next few minutes, this is certainly not an exhaustive list. There are volumes and volumes of books written on parenting, but these are five attributes I believe are going to help you in your journey to becoming a parent. These are certainly five things that you want to have and that the Bible has instructed us to walk in. And so number one is we are required to teach our children. This is not something that you can outsource. You cannot 
outsource discipling your children. You cannot rely on the church on a 30-minute message on a Sunday morning to be enough to disciple your children. It simply is not going to work. We cannot send our children to Caesar to be educated and then be upset when they come back as Romans. And so that is something that we need to think about as we send our children into the world, into a public education system. I am not here to knock public education at all. I am simply here to tell you that they are not discipling your children in the word of God. That is a parent's sole responsibility. And so we need to make sure that at home when they're finishing their homework, mathematics and English that in science, we need to make sure that we are discipling them in the word of God. So the primary thrust of discipling our children is to know his word, is to know his work, and to know his ways. And part of the way that we do that is by is by living that way ourselves, but also taking the time to teach our children. When we're home after work and we're tired and we just feel like relaxing, that's when we need to jump up or first thing in the morning. The Holy Spirit will give you guidance in the, the best time to be able to disciple your children, but the idea is every single day you need to be discipling your children. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, 13, and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. As I was reading that, that's in the New King James Version, because we don't use thys and thous. But I thought about that. As we teach our children in the Lord, they will be great in peace. And I just look out across our world and how many children don't have peace. They don't understand, they're confused in so many areas. And if we would simply obey the word of God, the Bible promises that they will walk in this world with peace, not only with peace, but with great peace. We're teaching our children to hear from God. We're teaching our children to trust God. We're teaching our children to be patient. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I want to highlight the word train. Okay. Are you training your child or are you maintaining the lifestyle that you have? Training means to exercise. It means that every single day you're doing something to be in the word of God. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure that you yourself are going in that way as well. And so this is important. When we train up our children, we're teaching them how to grow physically, how to grow spiritually, how to grow emotionally, and how to grow intellectually. Paul David Tripp said this, good parenting lives at the intersection of a humble admission of personal powerlessness and a confident rest in the power and grace of God. If you want to be a good parent, number two, you need to parent in humility. And one of the things that I've learned about humility is that there is no bottom floor in the elevator of humility. You can become more humble in your 60s. You can become more humble in your 70s. And so humble, humble isn't to think less of yourself. 
um, but to think of yourself less. It's to be confident and boast in the work of the Lord. And so Colossians 3.12 says this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, not you should, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So I have this shirt on this morning. When I got up, you know, I was, whatever, I was wearing pajamas. I'm not going to get into it. I wasn't actually wearing pajamas, but whatever. I went in my closet and I had to make a conscious decision to put, to change out of my pajamas and to put this on. And so every single day, the writer of Colossians is telling us we need to make the decision to clothe ourselves in humility, to say that today, regardless of what the enemy of the world has mounted against me, I'm going to choose to respond in humility. I'm not going to uh, grind and hustle. I'm going to rely on the confident work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to boast in God. I'm going to lean on Him. And we do this and allow our children to see this. James 4, 6, He gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we don't want to be proud and say, I got this parenting thing locked down. I got this all figured out because I have 37 years behind my belt. No, 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 no. We want to be just as humble. We want to be more humble at 37 than we were when we were 27. We want to see like there's so much that I need to grow in. There's so much that I need to learn. And our children need to see that. Not that we got it all figured out. The danger sometimes in parenting is to paint ourselves or project ourselves in a way that we have it all figured out. But then we become like the little gods that our children look to. And that's not the point of parenting. Point of parenting isn't to raise them in our images, it's to raise them in God's. Okay? And so we need to show our complete and utter dependence upon God. And we do that through humility. And parenting is a road to humility. It's a, it's a process in which we are being unmade because, uh, again, as I shared, our children will magnify our weaknesses and our flaws. And it's just, they flaunt it right in front of your face. And you say, man, the reason that they're approaching this situation like this is because this is how I approach this situation. So those things that you haven't been working on, that maybe you've been ignoring the prompting of the Holy Spirit, God's going to bring those things back up and say, guess what? It's time to deal with those things because now your children are mirroring what you are doing. So, number three, time. Okay, the entire story of scripture is bound up with in, in this, God's presence with us. Jesus came to the earth to be with us. He sent the Holy Spirit to be present with us. And so I'm gonna say this, the greatest present that you can give your children is your presence. And you know what? We live in a world that's vying for our attention, uh, where we have responsibilities at our career. We have responsibilities at church. We have responsibilities um, to our friends and, and to our family. But what I am telling you is if you do not make uh, time a priority with your children, then you'll realize that before you know it, 18 years has gone behind you and you're the cats in the cradle dead. <laughs> Okay, if you don't know what that song is, go look it up. It's a, it's, a, it's a true song. It's a scary song. But we need to prioritize our children. We need to make time for our children. Number four is affirmation. If you study the New Testament, the first words recorded in the Gospels that are spoken by the Father, 
to the son are words of affirmation. He says in Matthew 3.17, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You think about it. The father didn't have to say that, but he was doing that for Jesus and for others. And so um, we need to make sure as godly parents that our children are affirmed in our love for them and God's love for them. I'm telling you, this is one that you cannot afford to miss. If you can just drive this point home in their little hearts that you love them unconditionally, that you are all in on them for the rest of their lives and that God is all in on them, that he loves them and their identity can blossom, can grow in that place, in that garden of love, they're going to be set up for success. But if they have to question, if they have to do things to try to earn that love, if they have to, you know, knock it out of the park in sports or knock it out of the park in academics just to get a word of affirmation from you, that is an unhealthy lifestyle. And they will take that and they will apply it to their heavenly father thinking that they have to strive for his approval rather in his favor rather than knowing that they work from that position of favor. So we cannot afford to get that wrong. It is literally shaping their identity. And number five um, is discipline and correction. We're dealing with an epidemic where children cannot discern good from evil. We live in a culture that won't even call uh, something good or evil. It's just all whatever it is to you is okay with me. And that's simply just not the way that the world works. Proverbs 23, 13 says, don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. And so we will discipline our children if we love them. And if we don't love them, then we will let them get away with whatever desires they have in their heart. And I think we can look out into our culture and see that a lot of parents have fallen asleep at the wheel. And as a result, we are dealing with these huge problems where we are trying to legislate our way to a better life. And that's simply not possible. And so we as parents must teach our children the difference between children the difference between right and wrong and we must discipline them when they step out if we care about them the lord disciplines us because he loves us something i learned along the way too is you cannot discipline your children's uh, why do i keep saying children's you cannot discipline your children um, from a place of anger anger, or being irritated, okay? The message is going to get lost. And so if you need a moment, if they turned on all the sinks and plugged the drains and water as you're studying and putting together next week's uh, sermon, you start to see water coming down from the ceiling in the, in the lower level and you run upstairs and you discover that your children did this, don't discipline them then, I'm speaking from personal experience. Send them to their room, calm down, and then discipline them. Because you never want to discipline from anger. You never want them to feel that they're a nuisance. Again, what you're saying may be right, but the way that you're saying it is wrong. There's a right way to be right. Correct in love. And I want to leave you with this. I think if you study those things, they're really going to give you something. You're going to be able to grow from those things. Um, but 
I want you to take confidence in this because there are times that I remind my children, you know, this is the first time you're being a kid, but this is the first time I've ever been a parent. So we need to have grace and we need to extend mercy towards one another. But sometimes I've run across parents that just simply do not think that they're equipped to be a good parent. They don't think they have what it takes. They think maybe their child would be better off somewhere else. I wanna say this and remind you that out of 7 billion people on this planet, God hand selected you to be the parent of that child and God knows what he's doing. So God has faith in you that you will come to him and look for that strategy, look for that guidance, look for that grace to be able to raise that child according to his word. So God believes in you and he hand selected you to be, so there's no other human being on this planet that could be a better parent to that child than you, but you must cooperate and partner with the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do that. So I hope that you got something out of this. I'm gonna pray for you, dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for all the parents out there that are living on three cups of coffee from Starbucks. Um, and Lord, I just pray that they would depend on you uh, in a greater measure, that you would illuminate these scriptures, that they would be able to derive strength from them, that you would give them a, a vision of how to raise their children and that they would be able to grow, uh, to raise them in the fear of the Lord and that they would serve you all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.